Well, good morning. Uh, we are, uh, if you guys can go ahead and advance that, my slide seems to be giving us some trouble. We're going to start with a testimony from one of our folks. So one day I'm sitting on the bus and I remember praying to God, God, please help me to find somebody new and see if they're interested in Jesus. Um, because honestly, like I'm not very good at that and it stresses me out a lot to do that. Um, and so I was asking for his help. And as I was sitting there and praying, an Indian graduate student came up and sat beside me on the bus. And so I was like, oh, well, I guess this is my opportunity. And so I started talking with him. Um, and the conversation like, came back to me, and finally I just said, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I love to pray for the needs of those around me. So is there something I can pray for for you? And he didn't really respond <laughs> the way I thought he would. He just looked at me and he said, wow, like, I'm actually really interested in the Bible, and I'd love for somebody to walk me through that. Um, would you want to do that with me? And I was like, heck yeah, I would. And so um, we got off the bus, and we exchanged our numbers, and we're planning on reading uh, during the summer. And so like, I did not expect that at all. And so it just goes to show like God goes before us, and like He's the one who does the work. I love the way that he phrased that. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about the Great Commission right at the end of the book of Matthew. And as Ryan mentioned this morning, we are going to continue next week. We're going to be in the book of Psalms. But this week, we wanted to take the morning and uh, talk about how you and I can participate in the work of the Great Commission that Jesus gave to his disciples as we move throughout our spheres of influence. As Ryan mentioned, we have Grace for the City coming up June 3rd to 10th. And I think for a lot of us, we understand what Jesus was talking about when he said, okay, go and make disciples. Remember, we talked a couple weeks ago about how the disciples saw Jesus alive, and because they believed that Jesus died and rose again, because they believed that Jesus is who he said he was, uh, and then when Jesus said, look, you go and make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, uh, they went from that moment, and they shared the gospel in their sphere of influence so that within really a couple of centuries, uh, the entire Roman world had heard about Jesus. So I think a lot of us, we, we hear that and we say, I know that I am commissioned to share the gospel in my sphere of influence, but it may be we go, you know what, I don't know how to do that. Or maybe we go, I'm afraid to do that. I worry about the awkwardness that's going to ensue if I start telling people about Jesus in my neighborhood or in my office, or in my family. And so we feel like we have been given a job that we're not equipped to do. Uh, I've had that experience of having a job that I didn't feel equipped to do. And it's a bad feeling. Uh, when I was in seminary for a year or two, I was actually a, a tutor. I worked for a tutoring company. And uh, I told this company at the beginning of the year, they said, what can you teach? What can you help students understand? These were high school students. And I said, well, you know, I'm an engineering major, so probably anything math or science related, I got this. Now, I, w I was telling the truth. I believed when I said that, that I could do that. Uh, what I didn't register was that included in math and science was high school chemistry, uh, which I had not looked at since high school, all right, because I was not a chemical engineer. First thing they set me up to do was to tutor a kid in high school chemistry, and I remember walking into that room, and I remember thinking, I don't remember anything about molarity or molality or stoichiometry or concentration or any of that stuff. And he opens up these problems, and I look at him, and I go, I have no idea. 
right? I didn't say that out loud, actually. I just thought it. What I said out loud was I said, hey, did you happen to bring your textbook home? And uh, he said, uh, yeah, I did. I said, have you read it? He goes, well, I skimmed it. I go, I think you should read it again with me right now, right? So we opened it up and we read it and step by step, I figured out how to do the problems and I was able to help him figure out how to do the problems. But I'll never forget that feeling that I am called to go into this situation and I've got a job to do and I got no idea what I'm doing. Uh, Some of you feel like that when it comes to the Great Commission. If you attend Grace Bible Church, you're going to hear a lot about the Great Commission because we are a Great Commission church. We believe strongly that the mission we have been called to is to make disciples who make disciples. And then from there, our hope is that we continue to plant campuses and churches here and around the world so that from this spot in College Station, there is a movement of men and women all around the world who believe in Jesus Christ, who are making disciples, who make disciples. One of the beautiful things about College Station and Bryan is people really do come here from all over the world, and they are pouring into this community thousands of people a year. We just closed on property just down the street at Williams Creek and Highway 40. We talked about that last week. And as we begin the process of putting a building on that property, one of the things we want to communicate is we're not putting a building there only so you don't have to set up chairs anymore. That's just a side benefit. We're putting a building there because we want to be rooted in this community for generations to come so that from that little piece of property, the message of Jesus Christ will spread out into this community and into the world. The building's just a tool for us to do that. That's all it is. It's just a tool for God to use for the Great Commission. I bet every single person in this room has a critical part in sharing the gospel. And so what I want to do this morning is just give us a few principles for how do we begin to build relationships so that we can share the gospel in our sphere of influence. If you're one of those people that says, you know what, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to start, hopefully by the time you walk out this morning, you'll have at least some way to begin to develop relationships to share the gospel. You shouldn't feel bad, by the way, if that is you. Everybody starts there. Most of us are there at varying points in our lives where we say, I'm afraid, I don't know how. We're just going to provide a few principles this morning. First principle is this, abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. All right, as we talked about the I am statements of John a year ago, you may remember from John chapter 15, Jesus said this, John chapter 15, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's what Jesus is saying. The degree to which we abide in him, the degree to which we know him and seek him, that is the degree to which we're able to bear fruit. We cannot be effective in knowing our neighbors, in sharing the gospel with our neighbors, if we don't first know Jesus. I have found in my own life that the deeper I dig into the word of God, the more I'm engaged in prayer, the more open my eyes and my heart are to the spiritual realities around me. It's interesting, uh, about two weeks ago, on the week before, I was going to preach from Matthew 28 about the Great Commission. 
the Friday before I was going to preach about that on Sunday, uh, our family drove to Houston because we had to get uh, another vehicle. My old Toyota was falling apart, so it was time to replace it. So we drove down to this dealership in Houston, and anybody who's ever been to a car dealership, you know it's not normally the first place you're thinking about the gospel, right? It's often an adversarial process, negotiating the price and making sure that you don't get ripped off and all of these things that you're thinking in your head. But I I don't know, for some reason, as we went into that dealership, because I had been absorbing the Great Commission all week long, it was on my mind. So we got in the car to test drive it, and there's this assistant salesperson in the car, this older man who has a second career, I guess, decided to sell used cars. And as soon as we get in the car, he says, now Matt, tell me, what is your job? What do you do in College Station? And I said, well, I'm actually, I'm a pastor. And, uh, you know, when you tell people you're a pastor, you get a, a lot of different responses, two primary responses. Uh, one of them is just silence, just kind of an awkward silence, probably a lot like if you tell someone you're a used car dealer, right? They just kind of, you're selling something that I may or may not want, and I don't know if I trust you, Right. Uh, the other response uh, is that people tell you about uh, anybody they know who once was religious, right? So if they have a family member or, you know, even if they were like a Buddhist or something like that, they want you to know that they are somehow connected to somebody who once did something religious. So that's the route that this guy went. He said it was his mom or his aunt. I can't remember. I think it was his aunt. He was like, my aunt so-and-so, she played organ for so many years at the local little you know, Presbyterian church or something along those lines. And I said, well, that's interesting. I said, do you still go to that church? He said, oh, yeah, 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 I, I definitely go there. And he said, I know, you know different churches believe different things. And because I had been thinking about the Great Commission, I, I, just, I just went for it. I said, you know, uh, the truth is that, yeah, a lot of different churches believe different things, but there's one thing that is central that every church that is a Christian church needs to believe, and that is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died in our place. He died for our sin, and then he rose again. So we can have life, and everybody who believes in him can have eternal life. That's the most important thing to believe, and that's what I believe, and that's what my church believes. Right, and then there was, there was silence. Uh, I, I don't know if he was just kind of pondering it or if he was like, okay, okay, we'll move back to the... He goes, air conditioning's pretty ice cold in here, isn't it? Right? We just kind of <laughs> moved on. Right? And sometimes that happens. But the reality is that what triggered my thought processes to think that way was that I had been absorbing the Great Commission all week long. In my mind and in my heart, I had been hearing Jesus say, go into all the world and make disciples. So that when that moment came, the Spirit of God prompted me to speak. I would encourage you, starting now, begin to pray for your neighbors. As you walk or run throughout your neighborhood, look at specific houses and pray for the people inside. As you go to your office, pray for the men and women there. Uh, Think of a person that you think this individual needs to hear the message of Jesus, and I don't know if they know him, and begin to pray that you will have an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The degree to which we abide in Jesus is the degree to which we will be able to bear fruit. So abide in Jesus. Second thing is this, find and be fascinated. All right, find and be fascinated. Here's what I mean by this. All too often, we are engaged in our own lives to the extent that we don't notice the people around us. 
or if we notice them, uh, we, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as much as anybody else, we think, you know what, I have so many things going on in my life, I don't have the time or the energy to engage with what's going on in somebody else's life. Right? But everybody around you has a story. Everybody you sit next to has some story in their life that they care about. Everybody you're sitting next to is, a, is an individual made in the image of God, designed to know Him. And so uh, what we're encouraging you to do this summer is begin to locate the people in your lives as you move throughout your world. Right? You go to work, you're in your neighborhood, you go to your favorite restaurant and begin to notice people and be fascinated by them because you never know what you may find. I was reminded this week of a story my dad told me when I was a kid. My dad used to travel a lot for work, and uh, one day he was on an airplane, and he was sitting down on this airplane, and he noticed that uh, people kept walking up to talk to the man who was sitting next to him. And in fact, not only were they walking up to talk to him, uh, they were asking the guy to sign things. Right, and it took my dad a few minutes to realize they're asking for his autograph. And so dad's curiosity was piqued, and he said, um, excuse me, should I know who you are? Well, my dad didn't realize he was sitting next to Jim Palmer. Now, some of you recognize that name, some of you don't. Jim Palmer is a Hall of Fame baseball pitcher. He played for the Baltimore Orioles for like 20 years. He won the Cy Young Award three times. He won the World Series three times. One of the greatest pitchers of the late 20th century in baseball. My dad doesn't follow baseball at all. So he had no clue who he was sitting next to. And uh, anybody who knows my dad knows that it's just as likely that dad would have just pulled out his book and continued reading. Kind of gone, I don't know what's going on over there, but I'm just going to read my book, right? Had he not looked up, he never would have known who was in the seat next to him. Now, I share that story not to say that you might be living next to somebody famous, but instead to say this, how often do we miss the stories right next to us because we're engaged so deeply in our own lives that we don't look up and notice people? When we read the scripture, one of the things that we see is Jesus always noticed people. Jesus was constantly beset by crowds, people asking for things from him. People wanted Jesus to heal them. People wanted to hear Jesus teach. He was surrounded by people all the time. Yet as you look at Matthew chapter 9, what you see is in a moment when Jesus is surrounded by crowds, look at this, Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 says, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looked up and he noticed the people in his orbit and he said, these people need to know me. And he had compassion. His heart went out to them because they needed to know God. And so as we move through our spheres of influence this summer, I just want to encourage you, look around. Begin to notice people. The deeper you're abiding in Jesus, the more you're going to notice people. And then engage them in conversations. Learn their stories. Ask them questions. Right? This is not merely a means to an end, but it is because we want to develop relationships with people because that reflects the love of God. God wants to develop relationships with people. Not to check them off a list, but because He loves them. And because He loves them, we want to love them too. 
And so look around in your sphere of influence and find those people there and learn to be fascinated by their stories. We're going to hear another testimony now from a young woman who did just this. So the easiest way for me to think about finding people is just doing everyday activities like riding the bus and going to the grocery store, but um, taking someone with me and asking God to help open my eyes to see the people around me. And so one time me and a friend went to HEB and we're just going grocery shopping and we just asked God to help us see who's around us. Um, And there was this girl and she was carrying a purse similar to a purse I had bought in another country. And so I just stopped her and asked her about it and we just started talking and um, just started asking a lot of questions to find out more about her and learn that she's from China and had been in America for four years. And so at this point, a question I love to ask, especially international students, is if they've been invited into an American home before. Um, And like most say, she said no. And so... um, I got her phone number and invited her to come over sometime and she was just amazed that after just meeting her, I would already be inviting her to come over. And so um, a couple weeks later, we got lunch and I took a friend with me and uh, when we got our food, um, I prayed over our meal and that is kind of like one of the simplest ways I found to create interest in Jesus and um, open up a way for spiritual conversation. And so Um, She asked me after I prayed if I was a Christian, and I said yes, and she shared that she was too. Um, She had only decided to follow Jesus on her own just about a week before. And so I just got to learn all about how God had been drawing her heart to him even years before in China. Um, And she was actually getting baptized at the Chinese church just the following weekend. And so she invited me to come, and I got to celebrate with her and the Chinese church and hear her tell her story to the congregation. And um, it was just really cool to see how God gave me that friendship and that opportunity to celebrate how he was already moving in her heart years before she had met me in China. I love this story that Valerie tells. And one of the things I love about it is notice the whole conversation just started by her noticing somebody's purse. Okay? How easy is that to do? But it all began with her, her asking the Lord before she walked into the grocery store, God, open my eyes that I will see the people around me and notice them. And so she sees this girl who has a purse that's similar to her purse. And she says, hey, where'd you get that purse? And that starts this whole conversation about spiritual things. Because God was moving before her to pave the way. Now, the other thing I want to notice about this story is this. She didn't stop merely with the find and be fascinated piece. Many of us do stop there. In fact, I was having a conversation just this week with somebody as we were talking about engaging people with the gospel. And we were talking about how I think one of our temptations is, although we want to find and be fascinated with people and we want to know our neighbors, one of the temptations is we stop there. And I'm guilty of this too. There are people in my sphere of influence, I'm ashamed to admit, that I've known for years whom I've never talked to about Jesus. Right, my guess is it's, it's the same for you. We're polite, we're kind, we know them. Maybe we've even had them into our home. But we've never talked to them about spiritual things. Sometimes we camp right there without going to the next step in the process, which is to gauge and create interest. Notice Valerie does that. She begins to gauge this 
young woman's interest as she talks with her? Is this a person receptive to the good news? Or is this a person who's going to reject the good news? And so we want to move beyond just getting to know people, although that's valuable. We want to talk to them about spiritual matters and ultimately about Jesus. And again, that's not so that we can check something off of our list. We're not going to keep a tally this summer of who shares the gospel with the most people. We're not going to put up a little thermometer and you get to you know, put the number of people on there. That's not what we're doing. Right, the reason we're doing this is because we really strongly believe in the message of the gospel. We believe everybody needs to hear it. We believe that it's the pathway to life. And so what we want to do is simply equip you to go into your sphere of influence and do this. And so after you get to know people, then begin that process of how can I figure out where they are spiritually and begin to generate some interest in spiritual matters. I'm going to offer three ways to do that. One of those we saw in the video, first of all, through prayer. Through prayer. Notice Valerie said, look, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, I'm just gonna, we're going to pray for the meal. And that opened up a conversation with this woman. Now, I've found over the years that sometimes that leads to conversation. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes people just ignore it. But just simply to say, look, I, in this house, we pray and thank God for our food because we believe that everything comes from him. And so we bow our heads and we pray. It may be that you're talking to somebody and they share something going on in their life. They share a financial struggle or a personal struggle, and you say, hey, can I pray for you? Maybe you can pray for them right then. You don't have to make it weird. You don't have to like ask them to hold both your hands and pray for 20 minutes, bow your head, and just say, can we pray for a moment? They may say no. It may feel awkward. Maybe what you do is you say, can I just pray for you throughout the week? I'm going to pray for you throughout the week, All right, and then do it. Pray for them. I'll tell you all a secret. If I tell Somebody, I will pray for them. I go pray for them right that minute, right away. Because I don't want to rely upon my memory throughout the week. Now, I try to remember throughout the week, but say you'll pray and then pray for these men and women in your sphere of influence. When I was in college ministry, occasionally we would walk around the A&M campus and simply uh, stop random people or, or talk to people who were sitting at a coffee shop and say, hey, we are just going around campus and praying for people. Can I pray for you? Do you have any needs in your life that I can pray for? I could count on one hand the number of people who told me no. In fact, I even had people that would say, you know, I don't really believe in God. I'm not really religious. But everybody figures it can't hurt, right? I'll let you pray for me. And more often than not, it leads to a spiritual conversation. As we pray for people because we believe in the power of God. Second one is this. We engage and create interests through Jesus stories. Jesus stories. What I mean is simply this. A lot of people in our culture are skeptical about church. They may be skeptical about Christians But very few people are are actually hostile toward Jesus. Some are, but very few people are. So as people say things that are going on in their lives, maybe somebody says, you know, I am worried about the economy. I am worried about my job. One of the things that you have the opportunity to do is say, you know, I follow Jesus and Jesus said something about worry and anxiety and money. He says, don't don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, what you'll wear, because you know what? God knows you need those things. 
says, pursue him, seek him first, and he will provide all those things to you. Jesus says this because he knows God loves us and wants to provide and care for us. And so you've turned to the conversation toward Jesus. Maybe somebody is talking about politics and they have strong opinions about a political party. I can't imagine meeting anybody like that in this day and age, but maybe. And you say, you know, Jesus talked about the government and how to give to God what is God's and to give to the government what is the government's. And you know what belongs to God, Jesus says, it's you and me. And Jesus bought us with his death and resurrection and he wants you, regardless of who is in political office. And so we can turn the conversation to Jesus. And again, I find that most people are receptive to Jesus, even if they don't like church. They're interested in Jesus. Third way to gauge and create interest is your own story. Your own story. What I love about telling your own story is nobody can really argue with it. They don't even know if it actually happened. Right? <laughs> don't lie to people, though. Right? But tell your story. How has knowing Jesus changed your life? If they talk about their marriage, how has knowing Jesus impacted your marriage? How has knowing Jesus impacted your work? How has knowing Jesus impacted your parenting? How has it impacted how you understand yourself? I would also encourage everybody in this room, have a version of your testimony of trusting Jesus that is one to two minutes long tops. You just talk briefly about what life was like before you knew Jesus. And then that moment when you trusted in the death and resurrection of Jesus and how you're seeking to follow him now. You don't have to give the impression that after trusting Jesus, everything is all perfect. Because they know and you know that it's not. But you can tell them, now I have hope. I have hope of eternal life and I have hope now because I believe God will never leave me or forsake me. Right? So in, in my case, I don't remember much about before I trusted Jesus because I was about five years old. But what I tell people is, you know, I, I believed in Jesus through my parents when I was just a little boy. But when I came to college was when I really began to grasp the significance of what Jesus had done. That Jesus died for my sin. And he rose again so I can have life. And really coming to terms with who Jesus is. And that I had trusted him and I knew knew that I had eternal life. That changed everything. Because if that's true, I want to follow him. I want to obey him. I want to tell you about him because of what he's done in my life. And how long did that take? 45 seconds? Have your story ready and don't be afraid to share your story. Gauge and create interest as you talk about spiritual matters. I want to say this is often the most awkward part of any conversation because we don't know where it's going to lead. But it's also the most beautiful part because we don't know where it's going to lead. The Spirit of God has gone ahead. And so sometimes we meet unreceptive individuals. That's okay. God will work on them in His time and His way. We don't have to force people. You can't force people to listen or believe. But sometimes we meet soft hearts. Men and women who may say, 
like the first video we saw with Chris Koonsman, I've been looking for someone to tell me about Jesus. God may have positioned you right there to be that individual. As we prayed over our property earlier this week, the Creekside staff, one of the passages we talked about was Acts 17, where Paul stood before the Athenians on Mars Hill. And one of the things Paul said, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he said this, God has determined the appointed boundaries for everybody. He's determined where everybody's going to live. And he put them right where he wanted them to be, right when he wanted them to be there. Why? So that they might seek for him and grope for him and maybe find them. God has arranged you in your sphere of influence, in your office, in your neighborhood, in your family, even if you think, man, my family is a dark and terrible mess. God has put you there to shine the light of Jesus Christ. And he decided to place you there before time began. You are where you are because God wants you to be there to shine a light. And so he goes before and paves the way with his spirit. The only question is, will we step into those spirit moments to speak? So we gauge and create interest. And then fourthly, share the gospel. I get to that place where you're ready to share the good news of Jesus. When we meet a receptive heart, will we be prepared? Everybody has perhaps a a different way that they share the gospel. There are a a thousand different tracts you can use. If you say, I'm not comfortable with uh, just opening up my mouth and opening up the Bible and sharing the gospel, that's all right. Uh, Where you can start is there's some great tracts, things like May I Ask You a Question or uh, Campus Crusade Crew has a number of tracts that you can just open up. But let me just offer, as you're thinking about sharing the gospel, just three points that I think you ought to make every time you share the gospel with someone. First is this, we are all sinners, right? Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes you and me. Our sin separates us then from God. All of us are sinners and that means we are separate from God. We don't deserve eternal life. And so, of course, the question is then, what's the solution? If we're all destined for eternal separation, here's the solution. Jesus died for our sins and rose again. So first point, we're all sinners. Second, Jesus died for our sin. Jesus died in our place and rose again. That's 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 4. Paul says, this is the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. And then he rose again. And then thirdly, we're saved by grace through faith. Everybody who believes in Jesus Christ, everybody who receives him, as John 1.12 says, he gives the right to be called children of God. It's a free gift of eternal life given to anybody who will believe. And then ask your friend, ask your coworker, ask your neighbor, is there anything keeping you from trusting in Jesus Christ? And see how they respond. If they say, not that I can think of, and say, then do you believe it? If so, then let's pray and thank God for his gift of eternal life. Nobody is saved by a prayer. They're saved by trusting in Jesus. But sometimes it's helpful to pray as, as sort of a marker of that moment, to thank God for what he's done. Okay, so again, abide in Jesus. Find and be fascinated 
gauge and create interest, and share the gospel. Take those moments as you move throughout your sphere of influence this summer. All right, as Ryan mentioned uh, earlier, one of the things we're doing to help facilitate this process this summer is grace for the city. Some of you in your home groups, you may be connecting with one of our community partners, Hope Pregnancy Center or The Bridge or one of those. Uh, but we're encouraging everybody to consider doing one thing, and that is in your neighborhood, simply host a block party. All right, drag your grill out onto the driveway and fire up some burgers and invite people to come out. And get to know those men and women in your neighborhood. Be fascinated with them. Ask questions. Hear their stories and pray that God will go ahead and provide opportunities for you to share the good news. To begin that process of making disciples. Uh, One uh, phrase that people use when they talk about block parties. One descriptor. It it can be called a Matthew party. That's named after the Apostle Matthew who was a tax collector. Remember Matthew had a party. And he invited all of his tax collector friends to come meet Jesus. Right, so consider hosting a Matthew party in your own home. I want to show one more video with uh, uh, Mark and Luann Dotzer and their experience of hosting a party like this in their own neighborhood. Earlier this year, we had an opportunity to have a Matthew party at our home. And we did this with another couple and invited friends, both believing and non-believing friends. And we also invited those folks to bring along a friend that they had that they thought might enjoy the evening. So we made desserts and we had coffee and tea. And we just allowed people to come and start visiting with each other. It was just fun to watch as people that didn't know each other just mingled around our home having over coffee and um, dessert and just began to visit with each other. It's really fun to watch how the Holy Spirit can work. I found myself in a conversation with a young man I had never met before who wasn't a believer. And uh, within a matter of minutes or so, I'm suddenly sharing my testimony with how I met Christ and how Christ has changed my life since then. And I could tell he was really interested to know more about that. And then when it was over, uh, he actually thanked me for sharing such a personal story with him. It was fun to watch other people, too, um, the non-believing people talking to each other, the believers talking to each other. One of the fun things that happened that evening that I really loved was the fact that one young woman who is a new believer shared that the, it was the first. She was sitting there talking to some folks, and her husband said about how much her new faith meant to him and what he was learning from that. And she said, that was the first time I'd ever heard that. So it was neat to see how God brought together conversations with people that really meant something to them and brought life. It was really a lot of fun to have a Matthew party. I hope you get an opportunity to do the same thing. All right, Ryan is going to come back up here, and we're going to have a moment of commissioning. So come on up, Ryan. You know, one of the things, uh, Matt, gosh, first of all, thank you so much uh, for that. As I was sitting there listening uh, to Matt, I can, I can think about uh, relationships I've had with people similar to what he said, where at every point in this process that Matt laid out, I'm, I get stuck, uh, whether that's abide, whether that's finding uh, and being fascinated, 
creating interest or, or outright sharing the gospel. And along the way, I can think of blocks that I have. Uh, usually, uh, what's undergirding that is fear. And so I appreciate the, uh, the conviction and the challenge for us to, to move forward in that. Well, what we're going to do now, y'all may remember a couple, uh, couple weeks ago where we had all the people that are going overseas. They came up here and they stood in front of the stage. And we got to, as a church body, we got to commission us to go out into the nations. What we want to do now, not necessarily to have you come up here, but we'd like to ask... Uh, for those of you who either uh, have signed up uh, for a block party or for those of you who um, maybe even after having heard this um, would like to uh, uh, find out about hosting a block party, what that would look like, just like to ask you real fast if you wouldn't mind uh, standing up. Uh, and what we want to do is we want to pray for you and commission you to go forth. So, uh, so if there's any of you who are, uh, who are interested in doing that, if y'all would stand up so we can pray. Uh, Lord Jesus Thank you. You have entrusted us with um, uh, the gospel. Uh, you have entrusted us with that, um, the only thing that, can, that we can find our hope in. Uh, thank you for that. Lord, we, we pray that we wouldn't hoard that, that we wouldn't just uh, sit on that information and, uh, and store it up. But Lord, that we would be a light and that we would share it with our neighbors, with our coworkers, uh, with the people that, we, that are in our circles, uh, as Matt said. So I pray, Lord, for those uh, who are standing and, and others who are, uh, who are interested but don't necessarily uh, uh, feel like uh, taking the first step forward uh, today. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would um, allow us to uh, find the affirmation and, and our calling to reach our neighbors, uh, that you, Lord, would give us the strength and the words uh, and the actions to show love uh, for our neighbors as well. Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity, and we give thanks to you now, even as we respond in worship in Christ's name. Amen.